0: Everybody and welcome to the Myo Minds podcast. I'm your host, George, and here at Myo Minds, we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Just before we get started, I want to remind you that here on the My Minds podcast, we do often talk about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, exercise addiction, suicide, and other potentially triggering topics. Usually in the description below, I will write down what we talk about specifically in this episode. That being said, I do hope you enjoy this, but please do be careful. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Myo Minds podcast. As always, I am your host, George, and today I'm here with two guests. I think this is the only the second time I've ever done a two-guest podcast, so that's very exciting, and I'm excited to get going. Today, I'm here with the wonderful masculinity team, um, which are part Amy Rose and part Tamar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Amy Rose, first of all, how are you?
1: Hi George, thank you for having both of us. Uh, I'm very well, thank you. It's super, super warm. So um yeah, just sweating away here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can both you can both tell, but I'm already sweating quite a lot. I've got like my curtain shut, um, but the heat is still kind of projecting onto me. So I apologize for for what you're both witnessing. Um Tamar, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm one of those weird people that does not not ever complain about the British weather. I'm loving the heat right now.
0: <laughs> one of the few, one of the few. I think I complain enough for you, so it's completely fine. I'm li- I'm literally like maybe too much information, um, but I often share too much information on this podcast. I'm such a sweaty person in general, so when it comes to <laughs> like heat and humidity, it's like I'm like I'm like an abnormal person anyway. So when it's hot, I'm like next level abnormality. It's, it's not it's not a sight to see, um, but here we are. Um, so as I said at the start of the podcast, the reason I asked you both to come on is because of this amazing project that you've been working on has come out and um, it's just incredible and it's titled masculinity. So I don't know who is feeling the most brave amongst you both. Um, but could you explain exactly what masculinity is and then maybe why you decided to do it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll go in and then Tamar can fill in the gaps because she's really good at talking, but I'll just kind of get the the brief outline out there. Um, So masculinity is a documentary photography project, um, but it also includes a lot of interviews. Uh, We look at the role that masculinity plays, in defining an athlete's identity. Uh, And that's sort of their roles in in their sport, um, in their personal lives, uh, at work, you know, are they um, husband, father, son, all this kind of thing. Um, And the reason that we kind of wanted to do it is to help open the discussion around the pressures that men are under at the moment. It's been a really kind of exciting journey for for both of us, really. Um, You know, we're both women, so we're kind of learning a lot along along the way as we're sort of working with these athletes. So far, we've shot uh, 24 athletes, uh, nearly interviewed everyone. So we're looking at just stopping under about 30, and I think that kind of gives us some really good scope for the project. Um, We're working with, powerlifters, with strongman, uh, with um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighters, um, kickboxers, Formula Three. Uh, We've just interviewed a wrestler as well. Um, So it's kind of like, it's really, really broad and just kind of seeing what themes are coming up um, through these personal narratives really.
2: And I think the only thing I'd add to that um, is that although it focuses on athletes, of course, as we're going along this, what we're discovering is the issues that they face and the expectations and the pressures that they're under are the same as all men are, but perhaps because of being in the spotlight and kind of under the microscope, um, these things are just heightened a little bit more.
0: Mm, Yeah. And thank you for um the explanation i yeah it's something that i am so passionate about myself um within the kind of exercising and the the athletic community and it's the kind of the tie-in of of masculinity is something that is a big has played a big role on my life and i i've never been properly diagnosed but and researching into it now and and kind of i I teach about it um in some places about muscle dysmorphia and about um the kind of disordered eating and the exercise addiction that goes around it that i i'm i had i definitely kind of went through i was never diagnosed with it but a big part of the tie-in with me um was that masculinity that kind of masculine ideal that i felt like i had to i had to meet and my, the way I exercised and the way I I ate was a way in order to kind of reach that masculinity that I wanted, that masculine ideal. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll kind of, I'm sure we'll touch on that more as we're, as we're going later on and some of the other questions I've kind of got prepared later on. But um, one thing that's really amazing about this project, and it's something that I think is really important, is the use of kind of a artistic side and this um, investigation into kind of metaphorical and you know different underpinnings that can come with images and come with text and um, I mean, yeah I'm really excited by that and it's not something I know a lot about but it's something I'm really interested in and I, I guess I want to start off with uh, Amy Rose I know you are the photographer in the in the pair um, how do you think photography can help break down these masculine stigmas that are surrounding these these athletes and these men
1: yeah it's a it's a really good question um i think like i don't know if it's worth kind of starting where um what kind of triggered this project in the first place because um, that kind of came from um, basically an instagram post um, Me and Tamar are both powerlifters. So uh, we naturally follow like all the powerlifting accounts. So there's one that was put out by Powerlifting Motivation. And it was um, basically uh, photos of sort of male body acceptance. So this guy had sort of like stretch marks. He had body hair um, and basically just kind of saying that body acceptance for men is like basically for pussies. Like this has no place um in powerlifting, you your week if you kind of agree with any of this um and then we kind of you know me and Tamar discussed this post and we kind of noticed that there was not really any fight back from the men in the comments there was sort of the odd one from the odd woman uh because I feel like we've probably got a lot more of a platform to talk about this kind of thing uh the men do um so we sort of like you know we decided that we really were going to try and do something as much as we could with our skill set um, about this issue, really. Um, so we kind of, yeah, we set about um, putting together a project and we kind of had like an end goal of it being a book. Um, but it was sort of like it starts, these kind of things always grow uh, pretty organically, and you kind of start knowing what the project is almost when you're sort of halfway through it. Um, so how it kind of started, like, um, was basically, I sent out some inquiries to some athletes, like, that are in my kind of local community, like, well, I say local, uh, they're in the UK. <laughs> um, so I started reaching out to powerlifters, uh, to strongmen, to so the people that kind of, they might already know who I am. And like, I, you know, I know that I take photos at least. Um, And sort of sounding them out and seeing if they'd be up for getting involved in a project like this. And, um, you know, Tamar is just an incredible writer. And could we follow up um, these photos with some interviews afterwards uh, where, yeah, you can share your kind of personal experiences? Um, And so I just like, yeah, started reaching out. Then I'd end up kind of like driving to uh, the athletes. So normally they're sort of like their local location maybe they're, you know to one of their gyms or at their home or something like that because it was kind of important for me like with with the title of the project masculinity to sort of portray the different roles um that each athlete had in their life um so there's kind of a few different outfit changes um and yeah like in terms of photography um you know I've been taking photos now for like nine, nine years or so. And I feel like how I kind of shoot with anything that I photograph is it's kind of like really looking uh, for the human that is uh, behind the subject, if that makes sense. So um, when I'm photographing a subject, um, you know say for example if they're pretty expressive like I might take photos of their hands or like tattoos or something like that something that kind of is really identifiable as a person and like what it kind of feels like to be in their presence and I feel that um, again it's kind of an inquiry with photography so it's not something literal it's not sort of the stuff that we see on fitness pages Um, and I think it's nice to kind of see that alternative that yeah perhaps not easily and readily exposed to um so yeah i'd go out and photograph the athletes probably take like an hour or like some of them like <laughs> terry hollands for example uh, a strong man who i think has probably spent four or five hours with him we sort of like spent a day with him training and all sorts so um it was like oh, they're so very jealous. good <laughs> it was very fun <laughs> Um, It was when he just started training for World's Strongest Man that he's just um, come out of now. So, um, yeah, like you kind of you have all these conversations and like the way I shoot is very conversational anyway. So it's trying to kind of capture people uh, in an authentic way. Um, And so, yeah, I then go and photograph and then uh, come away from the shoot. Uh, and then our sort of workflow processes I um, leave Tamar a really long rambling voice note that she can then sort of decipher and start putting into some text and then follow up with her interviews Um, but yeah in terms of breaking down stigmas like I think people just like to see something that is relatable so if they can see a human being and that's it like they're athletes like we kind of have to in a way sometimes take them off the pedestal that they're on a little bit and just kind of see them as human as well. Cause um, you know, we're we're all the same. We all do the same things as well. Just so happens that they've got like this incredible talent to do whatever sport it is. So um, yeah, I think that's how I perceive the kind of photography side of helping to break down stigmas
0: yeah and um i know one of the people that i, I know um terry holland and um, he's obviously a very famous strong man um and i also know that you you um is it josh Maller or Maller? i can't remember he's a bodybuilder and i thought fo- i followed him for years but i am not 100 should pronounce his last name um but seeing a a bodybuilder in photos that aren't kind of like stereotypical bodybuilder photos but just kind of him just being a normal person There's there's one that i always that i always kind of picture in my head is um from behind with his traps and you kind of see his i think he's like holding his hair or something and he just it just looks like a normal person um and i don't know it kind of it uncovers or i guess it um for me it felt like when when there's a bodybuilder and he's posing it's almost like it's like a shell because it's it's flexed and it's morphed in a specific way but it it was like relaxed and it was one of the first times I've ever seen like a still image of a bodybuilder that's relaxed or it's not often that you see that Um, and I thought that was yeah really kind of unique.
1: Yeah, I think um, so. It's, it's interesting for me as well. So following through from this project, I've started um, photographing behind the scenes at bodybuilding shows as well, which I um, really, really enjoyed because, again, we are kind of used to seeing the stage photos. And like you say, they, they, they're they incredible photos, but they almost do look like a cutout and they don't look like a real person. Um, so yeah I think the thing about like being in Josh Maley's um company is he's just like I don't think even his sage photos kind of get across sort of like just how huge he is <laughs> like he's six foot six but he's like you know his genetics as well he's just so so broad and I kind of wanted to somehow kind of convey that stature, but equally um his human side. And like, you know, his um hair and his plait is like kind of a trademark as well. You can tell who he is just from the back of his head. So (laughs) um yeah, like he's he's been amazing to work with on the project, like super open, super candid about all the kind of struggles that he's gone through as a bodybuilder. Um and like I know he's opened up to Tamar a, a lot about kind of issues with OCD and body dysmorphia and all that kind of stuff so it's you know he's not immune to those it's just cuz he's super successful and experienced in what he does
0: mm, yeah and and Tamar you've been waiting very patiently so i kind of want to just throw a question your way quickly as well um amy rose has mentioned those those voice notes that she sent to you there's like rambly voice notes is there like a specific one that sticks out in your mind or one that you would like kind of struck you that you can think of
2: a ramble what well, out of the voice notes
0: yeah yeah
2: <laughs> um oh my goodness did do you know what I, I think what is lovely is something strikes me about every individual that she feeds back to me on uh after a shoot uh which is all part of helping me sort of prepare for interviewing them in depth Mm -hmm. then and and going ahead with the rest of my writing process. But I think I was super moved by Mark Ormrod, Mark Ormrod MBE. You know, he's quite well known now, uh, quite famous um, in the the fitness arena and around the world. I think a movie is actually being made about him at the moment. Um, And of course, he lost uh, three limbs when he was serving in Afghanistan, lost both his legs and an arm and um, and actually died. (laughs) He died and was brought back to life. And the way he's rebuilt his life and himself and the things that he has uh, gone on to achieve and and continues to achieve are just so inspiring and moving. Mm
0: yeah i mean a lot of the people that you you interviewed and took photos of were amazing and inspiring people just for doing this project himself but especially mark like you know, going through all that and um yeah i i can you know i don't want to speak for him but i can imagine his relationship with his body having died and having you know gone through all that he's gone through must be different or at least was there anything that you noticed in that or anything he mentioned about that
2: well, you know, later on when I went to speak to him um, for our interview, what he really conveyed as well was this sense of not wanting to um, let down the people who saved his life, everyone who was part of that, that day and that process and his rehabilitation. Um, he'd had some quite unkind comments made Um, about what happened to him, saying uh, basically to the paramedics, the people who saved his life, do you think you did this guy a favour? Should you have left him to die? Because he didn't have, (laughs) you know, three of his limbs anymore. uh, And his life appeared like it was going to be in bits. And he said to me, you know, I never want uh, anyone to think they wasted their efforts, their energy, their time on me. I wanted to do something with that gift of a second chance and that was just such a powerful message to me Mm. you know the the thought of having a second chance in life uh, and new opportunities to rebuild yourself and really appreciating that.
0: Yeah and that's amazing that he kind of came out with that that positive side of it Um, you know a literal Mm -hmm. second chance you know dying and coming back it was is incredible that he took that um and kind of went with it and yeah it's it's amazing and um kind of when we're on the the subject of your interviews and the the written pieces um how do you think that these i suppose stories that you're you're writing and and you know the way that you write them how do you think that they help with the overall aim of the project
2: okay, yeah, so this is a really interesting question because um, I have to kind of strike the balance of um, creativity with actually just being um, true to the men. Um, And I knew going into this that it was going to be a difficult topic, especially for some to draw them out um, to speak about vulnerabilities and things that they're not necessarily comfortable talking about. What's been great with all of them, I will just start by saying is they've quite openly said, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable or I'm not sure how to express this, but I see the importance of this project. This is why I'm doing it. And you know, so I'm gonna put myself out of my comfort zone. But what's great about the creative process that Amy Rose and myself have had throughout is she, um, I've been in front of the lens. (laughs) With, with Amy Rose she's very good at putting people at ease so she spends this time with them she really puts them at ease and she starts to get them to open up in conversation while she's shooting them uh, which kind of warms them up for me a little bit I would say um, and then of course she feeds back to me in a voice note and what's lovely about that is it's not just about the conversations they had she really sets the scene from her eyes as a creative so she tells me what the weather was like, uh, what the gym facility was like, what their home was like, were their kids running around with their toys everywhere? Uh, was their wife was their wife in the background making them a meal or, you know, so she sets the scene for me so I can kind of go away and think about that. Get a sense of the person and start to think about what questions I want to ask them when we interview to, to help draw them out. Mm. um and then so that's what we do we we have obviously because this project started um throughout the pandemic so my interviews with them all have been on zoom Mm -hmm. um and we spend some time me kind of asking them some questions trying to draw them out um really just get their honest opinions experiences feedback and then i really see my role as a writer—it's very important to never put words into the mouths of them. So, as I've written this book, um, I've not come from an angle. I'm not trying to fix these people. I'm simply giving them an opportunity to speak their truths and explore their individual identities, their emotions, and their motivators for what drives them every day.
0: Yeah, and that—that's amazing. I think that is so important that you've you're doing that, you are know, being, um, yeah, specific in trying to make sure that you don't affect their, um, their voice in the way that they experience it. And I think especially, you know, with a topic like masculinity and these men who are kind of, you know, um, have the pressures of masculinity on them within their sports or, or whatever, um, there's so much stigma on these people to say stuff in a certain way and to act in a certain way I think the fact that you're really conscious of that is really really cool
1: I think like you know a lot of a lot of guys are probably quite nervous about speaking about different gender roles now because they're worried that they're gonna offend someone by talking about like what is masculinity what's femininity um you know in terms of like uh sort of masculine roles or uh roles for men rather over the last couple of decades you know they've they've shifted dramatically um so I think it's it's really kind of confusing so for for us to kind of be asking athletes questions um and for them to kind of like put their name to whatever they're saying and knowing that it's going out in the public eye and it's in a book like that must be really scary <laughs> um yeah. but I think again like this is where the kind of like you know everyone's sort of on some kind of spectrum like uh you know they've got different thoughts and feelings and there's no right or wrong way and we're not sort of like um saying oh no this is really kind of toxic behavior we don't think this is welcome and um, like this this person here this is a role model you need to be looking at them it's not about that it's more kind of about just sort of exploring different themes and ideas and hearing what they have to say
0: that's really important Um, trying to break down those stigmas and and yeah that kind of sorry I'm just I'm just trying to formulate this question in my head Um, because you're mentioning that kind of um, you know that how the masculine roles have have changed over time and especially recently they've kind of opened up and it's um, there's a book called called the the Adonis complex um, which is by a guy called Harrison Pope and a few other people, I can't remember who they were, but and they just, they kind of explore um, muscle dysmorphia and um, kind of you know, muscularity orientated issues. And one of the kind of um, reasons they hypothesize could potentially be causing these issues in men is the fact that that masculine, um, yeah, the masculine roles are opening up and are becoming more faded. So there's not kind of a clear path for people. Um, I'm interested in what your opinions are on that.
1: Yeah, I think like, um, you know, the idea of uh, muscularity, meaning masculinity, um, I think that's that's sort of shifting a lot around now. Um, but then we've still got sort of like films and Hollywood and everything that are still kind of championing these like big, Uh, kind of you know masculine traditional masculine physiques same with kind of fitness mags and Instagram and everything like that so I still feel like there's quite a lot of pressure there for guys to to still be built in that way um But yeah, I mean, in terms of like the the pressure of masculinity, I've kind of got like a couple of quotes here from the athletes in the book. So there's one um, by Julian, who's um, a bodybuilder, uh, who we photographed. um, He was uh, out of, um, he's actually uh, due to be a father really soon. So he's kind of decided that he's not going to compete for a little bit. Um, But I think he talks really well about masculinity or at least like, um around the concept of it so I'll just read it if that's all right Um, traditional masculinity I use that term intentionally but it almost feels dangerous to talk about like you'll be shouted at because somehow it's become synonymous with chauvinism I've always had an obsession with needing to achieve not questioning who it's for or exactly why I do it there's definitely an insecurity have to be on top of my game to feel good about myself or hit certain milestones to build up my self-worth whether that be test scores winning an athletic event or a bodybuilding contest I feel my best when I've won or achieved something I know that isn't healthy but it's the way my brain functions so like this is kind of also why we we're really interested in working with athletes because we I perhaps there is some correlation between that kind of black and white mentality of like this is what I have to do to kind of feel like the man or uh, feel like I'm winning or achieving or whatever um but I think also like you know masculinity is quite it, it is quite a fluid term as well like uh it's not just one thing or another it just it does mean different things to different people it's just you know each athlete's interpretation of it so in his case like he he would say that he kind of he, he would like um, so the women that he's attracted to they do kind of have those traditional feminine aesthetics as well so uh, but you know that kind of that works in the relationship that he's in and it's not kind of us going like well that's no that's not that's not a good thing like there's definitely room for sort of like positive masculinity if that's what you want to call it
0: yeah yeah and I, I, I agree I do agree with that and I think um, yeah I recently watched a uh, um, little kind of mini series on youtube by i can't remember what the woman's name was who did it but it's, she worked for the guardian and it was all about masculinity and one of the things they spoke about during this kind of mini series was the idea that you were talking about there of everyone's version of masculinity is different and i think the issue is is that for whatever reason and um, some of the kind of what shouldn't be classed as masculinity or kind of the wrong sides of masculinity the idea of having to be stoic and never have an emotion or never feel anything and the idea that you have to be you know working really hard all the time those aren't what masculinity should be it should be about you know there are more positive traits you know of, be, of you know having a sense of right and wrong i think is one of the examples they use on the the thing or you know the, the, these kind of other stereotypically masculine um or kind of Traditionally masculine traits that are really positive and should be pushed on people, but we push these negative signs as well, which is um dangerous. What well, I get, Tamar, and um, we haven't spoken for a bit, so I'm going to put this towards you. I'm sorry for going off the questions here, but um why do you think those negative forms of masculinity are, are the ones that are being highlighted or the ones that people are taking on? Like the the, the ideas that they have to be stoic and the ideas that they have to be um, yeah, kind of this unbelievable work ethic.
2: This is such a a multi-layered issue (laughs) because we are talking here about um, generational influences, the way that these men have been raised and the role models that they've had growing up. We then throw into the mix environment, what they're exposed to, Um, And that could be um, in their, again, their home life, their surroundings, their peer groups, but it could also be media, particularly social media can be a a real uh, curse in that respect. Um, And of course there's um, social. So all of the topics that we are now um, hearing more and more about with challenging gender roles, um, it's a really hot topic. Uh, And then, of course, there is their own emotional and mental needs. So it's a real melting pot of a lot of things going on at once. And it it can be quite a dangerous mix when you get it all together, of course. Mm. Um, And that's why, really, there is such a need for this kind of work to be done, to start to break all of that down and help men to maybe identify what's useful and what they identify with personally, if they um, kind of honor their own truths. Um, And also getting comfortable with letting go of what isn't useful to them, what isn't serving them, Mm. and not feeling under pressure to conform.
1: So I photographed a wrestler um uh his name's Damien his um wrestling name is no fun done um so he's like you know his persona his character as a wrestler is he kind of goes in there to stop all of the fun in the wrestling match so that's kind of like his um shtick I think like you know he'll kind of put his hand out and he'll shout abuse at the audience and he'll kind of really kind of go into this um like quite aggressive but like doesn't like doesn't take any nonsense type character, but actually meeting him in the flesh, like he's, um, you know, he's so kind of unassuming, he's quite shy and quiet, like, um, and he's just like, you almost wouldn't, you wouldn't know he was a wrestler um, until he can can tell you all about it. Like he's been a professional wrestler for a few years and like that, that's his full-time job. Um, And, I find it really interesting that he is able to kind of have this dual personality and have like this alter ego that he kind of steps into. But I think that's actually in my mind, when I was talking to him, like, I think that was a really positive thing. And I was kind of like interested to hear how he developed this character and he was able to express himself in that way. Um, And the thing with wrestling characters, they're all, um, you know, so individual, they really kind of design each persona. There's no um conformity there, which is the word that we were just talking about. So um I think finding that kind of outlet or expression as well for him is just um I mean, he said that it's like every little boy's dream to be a wrestler as well. And he found himself sort of like working jobs before he became a wrestler that he he wasn't really that passionate about. But kind of wrestling opened up a whole new world and it just kind of really fulfilled his dreams. So I find that that a really interesting process that he went through. Um, now I was just gonna say like my own preconception again of wrestlers is like kind of the typical like 1980s uh Hulk Hogan like they're kind of big tough and macho um they're throwing each other around yes they are in tiny pants and they're probably like tanned and oiled up as well um but like again that kind of traditional masculine type role but um wrestling now is very much like it's a lot broader and you don't have to necessarily have like the wrestling physique. Um, although a lot of them do still work, uh, like as bodybuilders. So they do have pretty good, well, say good they have pretty strict training regimes as well. But, um, yeah, I think that even in that sport, perhaps it's, you know, people's uh, preconceptions are opening up, um, to different types of, uh, masculine physiques and all that kind of thing yeah
0: and i think that's really important and it's it's because actually when you first said that he was a wrestler i pictured like the you know like like american university those like when they were like lycra with a cap on and i didn't think like like big like theatrical wrestler and that's really cool that you um interviewed someone like that um and i i often think that one of the at least for, for my personal experience, the way that I have worked on my own mental health and worked on my own kind of, um, issues around masculinity is developing other things that give me some kind of, they call it like masculine capital, like some kind of new score. Um, and one of the things you know, is things like, uh, things that are creative or things that are just things that make me feel good about myself and wrestling is kind of a beautiful one because that kind of wrestling anyways because it is that you still have that physicality and that kind of side, but also there is that like theater to it. And that's almost that creative side that comes out as well. So it's like he's going to touch on all these different aspects. Um and yeah, so I, you've obviously had such a, a wide range of people that you've interviewed and we've spoken about them today. Um, and a lot of them are these kind of, you know, like we just you just spoke about this like stereotypically um masculine figures and you know the bodybuilders and the strongman and the powerlifters and all those kind of people um so my my question for both of you um is what was the most shocking discovery when you started speaking to these men what really shocked you stood out
2: i'll let you go
1: first tamar
2: um I, I'm going to let you down a little bit here, George. Um, <laughs> I wasn't particularly shocked, if I'm entirely honest with you. Um, so I work as a sports nutrition coach. And, you know, I I, I have um, intensive, like, coaching calls with men a lot of the time. And I've been on the receiving end of tears uh, from some of these clients. Um, And I really felt, and this is again, why I wanted to write this project. uh, I really felt the the need for this work to be done. People assume that athletes are strong in every sense of the word and that they're very stoic, but actually so many of them um, struggle with expressing emotion. They maybe have disordered eating, muscle dysmorphia, as you've mentioned. and part of that Adonis complex that you referenced earlier, George, actually, you know, for, for a lot of them, I, I feel that having outward displays of strength um, is like trying to wear their achievements in public. It's a statement, it says, I'm highly motivated, I'm driven, I'm successful. Uh, you know, look how in control of my life I am. I'm kind of living this, you know, ultimate lifestyle. Um and so you know they get judged on the way they're seen uh, on in social media and on the camera um and the kind of persona that's put across to the public but behind that it's not that they're just highly motivated people I I always look at well what is motivate what is giving them that motivation is it um, an ED? Is it dysmorphia? What is driving them? Um, So given that we've spoken to a lot of men with those issues, I kind of wasn't hugely shocked
0: yeah and i think if anything that's the the most shocking of all the answers so you definitely didn't let me down and although i do agree with you i wouldn't i wouldn't i'm not shocked by that at all um and actually there's a, a the podcast that we're recording this on a tuesday so the podcast that'll be coming out tomorrow i speak with dr christian edwards who is a researcher into muscle dysmorphia and during that i'm talking about my own experiences and i said how you know because when, when something does become like clinically muscle dysmorphic you know i'm not trying to say everyone who's in the gym and everyone you interviewed is in this way but you're 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 leaning te- so much of your self-worth onto this idea of looking a certain way and being this certain person that that you know it's because there's you there's something you're trying to you know there's something that's that's damaging you that you have to lean on for you know there's there's something that you feel is lacking within you that you need all this to to boost you up and a quote that i said and i won't get it exactly right here but i really agree with the with with myself normally i don't agree with myself after i've thought about it um (laughs) but i um i said that you know when when you're in that muscle dysmorphia world and you're you're, you're going to the gym all the time and you're posting photos of yourself and your top off and trying to show your abs and your arms and stuff everyone thinks that you're just a cocky like for yourself knobhead, and you almost want you almost want to live up to that because that sounds better than actually i just i'm terrified that i don't have any worth and this is all i have and that sounds so much worse and so much more sad than, you know, yeah, I'm a cocky person. So I almost want to be cocky. Like it's, and that's terrifying to open up about that and say, actually, what you think is way better than what actually is. What actually is is really sad and I just don't feel like I'm worth anything. Um, and yeah, so that really kind of um, touches me when you, when you're talking about that. Anyway, Amy Rose, you, and um, your most shocking or I guess not shocking thing potentially.
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sorry i'm going to disappoint as well but same as tamar. like the i don't have quite the same level as interpersonal experience as uh, tamar does with her clients but um yeah like working with a lot of performance athletes on this project you know um and sort of suggesting like once we've kind of got comfortable with shooting like we might have done um you know a few kind of in situ shots like I'm not taking photos of them training necessarily it's more about them as a person but in that personal environment um you know once I've kind of got comfortable and I've got a feel for them I'm thinking right I think I could probably ask them to take their shirt off for a few um and see like how to sound them out if they'd be comfortable doing that and you know these like performance athletes but there are some bodybuilders as well Um, you know they got a bodybuilders especially. They have got to get a pump on before they have their photo taken with their shirt off. So I'm more than happy for them to do that. But um, I think with the performance athletes especially, like it's almost like they kind of got to look the part as well as like. Perform as well. So there's that kind of dual pressure, and it's suddenly like, you know, you put that question like, do, do you fancy doing some with your shirt off? And they're like, oh, God, well, um, you know, I'm not, I'm normally like a lot leaner than this, or and they're really similar pressures to the ones that women face as well. So, um but I kind of, yeah, I sense that that would be the thing. And this is why, like, on shoots and stuff, like, kind of tame, I to say, but. I try to make people feel like, without not being creepy, but like try and get them to a place where they feel comfortable as possible uh, around me. And if that just kind of means like, me telling a few shit jokes and like just kind of sharing my own personal experiences and all this kind of stuff, whatever it means, so that it just feels like it's a conversational um, experience rather than a photo shoot, uh, just kind of takes the pressure off it a little bit, I think. But, yeah like that was it just sort of um exactly the same pressures as i imagined that there would be it's just they're not talked about as much with men um because the, there needs to be more projects like this
0: <laughs> yeah i agree 100 percent, and no shocks no shocks from any of us hear me for shocks you didn't you didn't get any uh <laughs> but yeah i think um it, it what it is really interesting. Again, it was a podcast I did recently with Louisa Vargas, who's a PhD student at Loughborough, and she's looking into. Uh, she recently published a study looking at female powerlifters and the disordered eating that they experience. Um, I don't know if either of you may have read this brilliant study. study. Oh, have you read it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant study. And I, I follow Louisa on social media and that, and I've competed at some of the same events as her and always watched her um as a great athlete in her
0: own right as well oh excellent excellent yeah it's weird because I am yeah it's a, it's a long story but I I did my master's at Loughborough while she was doing her, her, her like first year of her PhD um so and one of my friends knew her and she kept my friend kept saying oh I'm gonna have to introduce you because she's into like athlete mental health and you do my own mind so you know you must, you'll get on really well and then COVID happened so we never met her. And then she published this paper and I messaged her and I was like, this is, we actually finally met, I've been, been told to meet you for so long. And I finally have, um, but yeah, what I was talking about with that, that paper is she spoke about it and we spoke about it on the podcast, um, that she, um, you know, the, the women have the women in powerlifting have this kind of contrasting, um, body ideals almost because within powerlifting, you're push towards a muscular ideal but then the societal ideal isn't normally muscular in women so you kind of have these contrasting goals in your mind like which one do i go for and for some women they kind of found empowerment in going like fuck the social goals whatever but some some women really did struggle with that and, and you know had issues with that um and it's kind of interesting because in men it's almost like a slightly different thing because you're you're Athletic ideal is that muscular ideal, but also society wants it. And um, but then sometimes I feel like there's there's a slight difference between society's ideals and the athlete ideal. Um, in the fact that you know your performance is gonna you know, for some powerlifters, you have to have a bit more body fat, or um, you know, for certain sports you'll want to have like thin legs, or you know, whatever it is, there are these kind of contrasting ideals still from both sides, but it's quite interesting, just kind of um difference between the two still issues in in both of them
1: yeah i think like with with women as well it's like um yeah you can be strong as long as you still kind of look and perform in the way that we kind of expect you to as women so yeah. um there's definitely pressure there. I think in terms of like society's expectation on men as well, like, um, so Josh, Maley, again, to talk about him, like, I know that he walks in like restaurants and all sorts uh, and, you know, people will just pass comment uh, and they'll say it out loud, like, oh God, isn't that disgusting? Um, Because he, he is freakishly strong and big and like, I think it's incredible that he's kind of gone and pursued that as his path. And he's um, just an incredible athlete. But, uh, you know, a lot of, I guess, probably more closed minded people would just, because it's a choice that he's made and he's worked really hard for that. It's almost like they feel like they've got more right to pass a comment on it, because you can't imagine that they would pass a comment on you know, some uh, someone with a higher body fat percentage walking into a restaurant. Um, but for some reason, they felt that that comment was, um, you know, an okay thing to say to someone like Josh. Um, but he doesn't, uh, I think he kind of lets it slide off him now. He's, he, you know, it doesn't bother him yeah. uh, the way that it might bother other people. Um, but still like we are kind of accepting of some body shapes and sizes, but perhaps not others. Um, I don't know. Interesting one there, I think.
0: Yeah. My, my personal opinion, I think um, it, it's, it's, it's multifaceted kind of like a lot of this stuff is, but I think a part of it is that kind of narrative around um, athletes and around exercises that they are kind of stoic and, um, and, and specifically within the bodybuilding population and the kind of people building like large amounts of muscle is we all think they're just cocky, like they all just love themselves and they oh, the posing in the mirror and the, and the speedo is like they must just love themselves. But it's not, you know, doesn't, that doesn't, even if that is the case, it doesn't mean you can just start like commenting on their physique and, and saying like you wouldn't say that to anyone else. And um, so why is it okay to, to say it to someone who looks like that? It's just, yeah, it's um, shameful really. So moving on to the, the official questions, we've been kind of going off them on a, on a tangent. We're coming, we're coming up to the hour point. I, I, knew, I knew we'd run over. I'm glad I asked at the start if it was okay if we'd run over. Um, <laughs> so why kind of, this is a bit of a blunt question. We've, and you know, I have answers for this, but I'm interested in your, your answers. Why should people care about this project?
1: Okay, so there's like two stats uh, that kind of really just keep going around in my head as we're doing this project. Um, So, uh, yeah, it is blunt, but in the UK, like men are four times more likely to commit suicide. Um, And the second one is the prison population in the UK is 95 percent male. You know, we are opening the conversation with this project and we are trying to make things as relatable and as about as much about the human experience as possible. But those those kind of facts, it's just I mean, they speak for themselves, really, that I kind of, you know, there's almost like a a gap between um, sort of talking about the uh, different gender roles and um, something's going on there that I think needs addressing.
2: The, the thing is, we as well, we've all know these stats. These stats have been spoken about for uh, quite a long time. So it begs the question, why aren't they getting better? <laughs> why you know, why isn't there considerable change? And there's still really that feeling, I think, for men uh, in general, that they don't feel safe, either don't feel safe to open up and share their vulnerabilities and their pressures, or there aren't the right avenues for them to do that in just yet. And I think what's really unique is uh, about this book, the masculinity book, nothing like this has been done before, trying to convey these messages through an artistic project with documentary style photography. Um, So that makes it really unique. And the way that the narratives have been written and the the kind of integrity and the honesty that these athletes have spoken with, them sharing their daily struggles, it kind of acts as a normalizer for everyone else. Because we have to remember here, these are men that are idolized and put on pedestals. Mm -hmm. So for um, anyone else coming along and reading the book, they're gonna find comfort in that. It's gonna help them normalize the way that they feel, realize that there maybe should be less stigma Uh, around them, maybe even inspire them to open up or or seek help if they need to. Um, And and I think actually it's a book that women will benefit from equally Mm. to the men uh, in terms of understanding men, but also just the fact that it is full of inspiring accounts of people who've been through real adversity, trauma, abuse, um, you know, bad mental health. And yet they've woken up every morning and they've made a choice to carry on and to keep trying.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I've got. I want to add one little thing to it, and I think it's just kind of, kind of, exaggerating what you said there. And I, th- I think um, the importance of narratives are so. It's just it's kind of other. they just it, they need to be there because, like we say, the stats just they're just numbers, and it's something again. I spoke about on a podcast recently, you think within muscle dysmorphia, we would talk about, um, you know, part of the kind of clinical diagnosis is relationship breakdowns and, um, you know, thinking about being more muscular for three hours a day and uncontrolled exercise. And if you just say it like that, it doesn't really mean anything, but then when you, you hear an actual person saying, you know, this is how it's affected my life. This is how it's affecting my life. It brings it home and it makes you realize you know, what's, at, this is real. It's not, they're not just numbers. They're not just, words they are you know there's there's you know there's an actual person there and that their life has been affected by masculinity or by this muscular drive or whatever it is that we're talking about um and i do yeah i do think that it's yeah it's just it's so important in projects like like what you guys have done here is just yeah i'm i'm in love with this project and i yeah I'm, I'm really excited for you know it kind of getting out there and and i know uh, amy rose told me you're going to be hopefully it's okay for us to be on the podcast i can coach that if not but you're going to be talking at the fit Expo or fit expo or something like that and that's really exciting and yeah i really hope that has like a huge impact and will hopefully you know turn some heads and and make an impact are you both excited for that am i allowed to, to mention that <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't think like we've, uh, you know, been officially announced or anything like that, but yeah, it's fine to talk about that. Um, yeah, we're really excited for it. Uh, be, um, for me personally, like I'm a bit nervous about talking in front of a big crowd. Like this uh, project is like really personal to us as well. Like, you know, we, I think we've probably like addressed a few uh, things that have happened in our lives as women, in our relationships with men throughout the project so uh there's definitely a lot of personal investment in it as well so yeah really excited for it and uh, I think it's going to be a great event like I've got so many
0: great athletes going so uh yeah it should be cool awesome awesome so what now um how can the people listening at home help out
1: you can pledge towards our Kickstarter. So we have a goal of 11 grand, uh, which is going to get us a minimum print order for the books. Um, It also includes design fees. So that number doesn't include any sort of payment for myself or Tamar for all the work that we put in and doesn't include any payment for the athletes or anything like that. So that is literally just to get the minimum print order. Um, And we've got 25 days left on that. So depending on whether this comes out. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but um, if you're interested and passionate about the project,
0: then just get on it and pledge straight away. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, I was thinking that as I as I was speaking earlier in the in the pod, but I'm gonna accelerate this so it comes out sooner. So for for um, for everyone listening, I think when this will come out on you'll be listening to it on the day anyway, but on the 28th, so next next Wednesday. Because uh, I was thinking I was speaking about Louisa's pod. And this is going to come out before it, even though I've already done it, because I just want to speed it up for you guys to, to try and maximize the, the amount of people we can get in time. Um, but yeah, so everyone listening, go now, there'll be a link in the description. I'm sure you guys can send me a link, um, go to it straight away, do what you can. Um, every little bit helps I'm sure. And yeah, um, y- you've all heard what an amazing project this is. So, uh, go there, please do it now pause the podcast right now, do go. Um, <laughs> so um, thank you so much, both of you for, for coming along today. I have final three questions that I ask every guest and this time guests uh, on the podcast. So I'm thinking what we'll do is we'll do like each question, get both of your answers, and we'll move on to the next one. Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Question one, I'm going to go towards Tamar because you haven't spoken for, for a bit. Um, <laughs> name a person, real or fictional, who inspires you.
2: Uh, I've got to come back to Mark Hornrod at the moment uh, just because that's someone obviously that we've currently been in contact with and just for proving that it's never over. Mm.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Um, he, is, he sounds like an amazing man um yeah such an amazing story amy rose no person real or fictional who inspires you
1: yeah um i mean obviously all the athletes in our book um but i like really really into dogs um so there's this uh i have no idea what their name is but there's these um these like rescuers that uh live in Spain and they go and rescue all the, the Spanish street dogs and like scrub them up and find them new homes. And like I just think that's probably like the most fulfilling thing you could ever do in life. So um they're called like Spanish Galgos or something like that.
0: So oh, those people cool. inspire me. Very cool, very cool. I thought you were yeah. gonna say Caesar Milan, you know, the the dog whisperer guy. Have you, oh, have you watched that? <laughs>
1: I'm not too, I'm not too crazy about Caesar, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe there's a dark side to it that I don't know. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm more kind of on like the positive reinforcement side of things. Like I know that he's very much about like um, kind of dominance and uh, the pack mentality and being in charge of um, your dog. Uh, Mm. And so I've, I've got a rescue Greyhound myself and that, approach just would not have worked with her at all and um yeah I can go on about it but that's a different <laughs> podcast
0: <laughs> yeah different well I'll we'll start a dog, dog podcast and we can we can get you on you'll be my first guest um <laughs> question two yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a moment in your life that you didn't like at the time but looking back you know positives came from it Tamar
2: <laughs> um I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go deep for you here, George. Good. <laughs> so, we like deep on my minds. I would own mind. say, um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. You know, when in Rome, <laughs> when on my own minds, let's, let's just go for it. Um, most of my life, from my teen years to my 20s, were pretty dark. Um, I struggled with codependency. Uh, I was in abusive relationships, had bad mental health. Um, and those all actually resulted in me having bad physical health as well. But the whole journey to healing gave me such an insight into my real self and a true in um, appreciation for how great life actually can feel. And I don't think you can really put a value on that.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that and. Yeah, I look, I, this is my favorite question. I say this every single time I do a podcast, but um, it's always amazing to hear people, you know, saying that you know it was share the time, but I've got all these amazing things have come from it. And I think you know, people listening at home who might be going through a similar thing to what you've experienced, I hear that and think, oh, maybe you know, maybe things will turn out. And that's yeah, it's really positive. So thank you, um, Amy Rose. What about you?
1: that's a tricky one to follow that one um, I can't I yeah I did some terrible squats earlier that wasn't a good time <laughs> um well I um so I know Tamar as well she used to be uh, my nutrition coach as well um and I kind of went on my own um it was never diagnosed but uh like I had a really low sort of self-image and self-worth issues, which is still probably something that I struggle with. Um, But they were definitely channeled into the way I looked and, um, you know, like just real kind of just putting pressure on everything I do to perfectionism, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Tamar really, really helped me with that whole journey. Um, And I think like if I can apply those kind of principles that I learned on that with her to other areas in my life then although like I think you know we're so sort of multifaceted aren't we like we'll you know you might be sort of super confident in one area and then another area of your life you know might sort of not feel quite as groovy Um, Mm -hmm. So for me like work has always been like I feel like I'm pretty I'm in safe territory here I know what I'm doing I've um had like my photography business for uh seven years now and um yeah so that is absolutely fine but then like um in terms of like lifting eating relationships all that kind of stuff that that has always been something that I've really struggled with um so yeah like still kind of challenge myself on the uh, self-perception thing and um I'm definitely not uh yeah not nowhere near as harsh on myself as I used to be I think um you know perhaps a little bit of that kind of athlete mentality that I had that was all kind of like black and white thinking um which is unusual for me as a person because I feel like I can be quite balanced in a lot of other ways but um, when it came down to sort of like myself and um, how I felt like I should perform and how I felt like I should have my nutrition and all that kind of stuff like there was definitely a lot of room for me to have you know to be really hard on myself I guess um, mm-hmm. but yeah that's that yeah not an issue anymore so much.
0: <laughs> that's good um, and thank thank you as well for for sharing that again it's it's so important to hear people kind of going through this kind of stuff and it's something i resonate with i've, I've touched on it during this pod and i can speak to you both afterwards about it and um, happily but everyone listening to i heard it a million times but um you know i've had my own experiences with disordered eating and and a lot of it comes around my kind of self worth i always i always say you know it's something i'm i'm working on and i see a counselor every week but you know, deep down the kind of core of me still thinks i'm worthless and i i, I always have to be getting something from my environment to make myself realize that I am worth something. Um, and that's one of the amazing things about this podcast is I can speak to amazing people like you two and, and that makes me feel inspired and makes me feel good about me because I get to have conversations with you and that must be amazing to be able to speak to you too. And you know, that, that kind of makes me feel good. So uh, yeah, big thank you from me just for coming on today and speaking. Um, but yeah, amazing. Thank you. And finally to wrap things up for the third and final question, Over to you, Tamar. A phrase to live by.
2: I live by uh, speak your truth, live your truth, and unconditional self acceptance always.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Don't need to add anything to that. Amy Rose.
1: That that one's so good. (laughs) I want to live by that. I don't know if mine's, um, uh, uh, well, I, I think it might, I don't know if it's a lyric or an actual phrase, but it's from, um, and I'm not a massive fan or anything like that, but um, Florence and Machine Song is where I know it from. Um, but there's always darkness before the dawn. So um, I know whenever I'm going through a bit of a shit time, that normally means that there's something just around the corner that's about to change. So there's that one. And then probably... Uh, I don't know if this is something that I'm uh, proud of living by, but something that I do, which is where there's a will there's a way. So I always try and make things happen. Um, And that can just be by brute force sometimes. (laughs) And that's not always a good thing, but it's at least honest. So that's how I live. Um, But probably go with the first one. That was nicer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of truth, yeah, we we brought in Tamar's one there from 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 the previous one. So, brilliant! Thank you so much, both of you, for for coming on the podcast today. I hope you both enjoyed yourselves.
1: Yeah. yeah been brilliant thank you so much for having us on like it's just it's really exciting for us to be able to talk about this project now and now we're kind of like nearing the end of shooting and interviewing like we kind of we really know how it looks and the design for the book looks great as well so yeah super
2: excited to see it in print yeah thanks so much for having us George it's really been a pleasure speaking to you today
0: you're both very welcome thank you so much and So everyone listening at home, as always, thank you so much for listening and coming through all this podcast with me. Um, There'll be links in the description below about everything you've heard about today. And I hope to see you at the next one. Bye. thank you so much for listening to that episode here at my minds we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast so please if you can give it a share each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that also if you want to check out myminds.com please do you can see all our social media things on there and we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community thank you